regrets, I've had a few, but such a few, too few to mention. That's the beginning words of a famous song by Frank Sinatra. And I was given a rather large amount of encouragement not to sing it this morning. I was actually threatened if I sung it. But those are the way, that's the way the song begins. Regrets. I've had a few. As we gather here this morning, the very last day of 2023, I think that probably everyone in this building could probably say the same thing. Regrets, I've had a few. I'm quite certain that over the past year there have been regrets in all of our lives. And by the same token, I'm also certain that there have been some great moments and some great experiences that we like to remember. We keep pictures. We look at pictures. We take pictures. In fact, I know someone who takes a copious amount of pictures. And she sends them to me on a regular basis. And I am quite grateful that she does that because it's always pictures of two little boys. But we take pictures so we can in some way permanently retain the joy of special events in our lives. You see, that's one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. The gift of memory. So we can live special, relive special moments in our lives. It's one of the great blessings we have. But I think if all of us were pressed, we would all be forced to admit that there are certain events in our lives and certain experiences in our lives that we would just as soon forget. Because sometimes these unpleasant past experiences are only mildly disturbing. And yet at other times they can so frustrate someone's life as to lead to a mental breakdown or an illness. So standing here at the beginning of a new year and a new beginning, it's those unfortunate events of life and the regret over them I would like for us to think about. About how we can live that there won't be any regrets in our lives. I want us to look at the lives of some who lived in the long ago for a few moments. It's got to be a few moments because Mason told me before we left home this morning, he said, Poppy, keep it short. And I kept acting like I didn't hear what he had to say. We want to examine the mistakes that others have made. Mistakes that led to a deep regret in their lives. And I suppose the logical place of beginning would be to begin with Adam and Eve. The third chapter of Genesis quickly comes to our mind. Because it's that chapter that tells about the rebellion and the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God had placed Adam and Eve in a veritable paradise. A place where their every need was met and their every want was satisfied. 
But that wasn't enough. They weren't contented. God said you can eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat that, you're going to die. And so they just had to disobey God's law. They just had to eat the fruit that God had told them not to eat. And with that, Adam and Eve brought into the human experience heartache, sorrow, suffering, toil, sickness, and death. They had no way to know at the time the enormity of the consequences of their sin. If they had known the enormity of the consequences of their sin, then surely they would have been able to withstand the temptation that they had to disobey God. Can you imagine Adam and Eve in their later years? The regret that they had over their sin? Can you with a sanctified imagination and an eye of faith see Adam and Eve sitting on the front porch in their rocking chairs? Talking? Speculating? Wondering? You know, I wonder what life would have been like if we had not disobeyed God. Can you imagine their regret over what their children had to endure because of their sin? Or think about the regret that there must have been for those who lived in the days of Noah. Their wickedness cost them their lives. And their wickedness changed the entire direction of the world. In Genesis chapter 6 and verses 5 through 7, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil contentedly. And it repented the Lord that He had made man on the earth, and it grieved Him at His heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man that I have made from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping things, the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. I want you to think about those people that lived in Noah's day. As the rain started, as the waters rose. Can you imagine how they must have regretted the worldliness and the sin and the disobedience to God that existed in their lives? A few pages further on in the Genesis story of God's people, we read of a man by the name of Esau. And we learn of this rash and thoughtless act in selling his birthright. He was overwhelmed with hunger. But even though he was overwhelmed with hunger, there was no real excuse for him to have dealt so lightly with something as valuable as his birthright. And we know that Esau came to reject or regret what he did. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 7. For you know how afterward he would have inherited a blessing. He was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Then as you turn the pages of the Old Testament, you find other examples of regret. You remember that God led the Israelites to the southern border of the promised land. 
God had promised that He would give them that land. And yet the people of Israel, they possessed such little faith that they listened to ten fearful spies. And because of their faithlessness, God decreed they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Imagine what that was like. 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Can you imagine the remorse, the regret that they must have had as they wandered up and down and back and forth and had to wait till everyone above 20 years had died and left their carcass in the wilderness before they could enter the promised land. And only their children had the privilege of going there. That 40 years must have been a long period of regret and anxiety. And then another example would be that of David. Israel's greatest king. And yet even though he was Israel's greatest king, though he was a man after God's own heart, he stumbled into gross sin with Bathsheba. On the pages of Scripture, he has a magnificent record. And yet his record is marred by adultery and lying and murder. A man who had the spiritual sensitivity to write so many of the Psalms. A man after God's own heart. And yet he's got a blot like that to stain his record. The beauty of his youth. The success of his kingdom. The majesty of his writings. All of that is not enough to erase the ugliness of David's sin. But you know when you turn to the New Testament. You find in the New Testament those also that lived with regrets. Do you remember a man by the name of Judas? Perhaps the deepest of all regrets would have been those in the heart of that faithless apostle. The scriptures describe the last scene of his life this way. It's in Matthew chapter 27, verses 3 through 5. Then Judas, who had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I've sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Like so many others, Judas in eternity has spent hundreds of years in regret. And yet the tragedy of his actions has only just begun. The endless eternity that all of us face will find Judas Iscariot regretting through all the ceaseless ages to come that he ever lived. And then what about Peter? Peter's another person on our list. Peter. 
He had deep regrets as he looked back over his life. Luke chapter 22 tells the story of Peter's denial of the Lord. Verses 31 through 34 tell of Peter's almost indignant declaration. He said, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to go with you to prison. I'm ready to go with you to death. Matthew quotes Peter as saying, Even if I must die with you, yet I will not deny you. And yet we know, Peter did deny his Lord. Not one time, not two times, but three times. And do you remember? Do you remember what happened when Peter heard the cock crow? He went out and he wept bitterly. Not to Peter's credit. Let it be said that he spent the rest of his life sacrificially serving the Lord. He spent the rest of his life trying to erase the memory in his own mind and in the mind of others of Peter the faithless coward. As disappointing as was his failure. His penitence. The life that he lived thereafter. I find encouragement in that. I find encouragement in that for me when I stumble. When I do wrong. That I do things that I'm going to regret. But I can repent and I can turn from sin. And I can live a life successfully devoted to the Lord the way Peter did. And my prayer is for all of us that we could be as successful as Peter was. You see, regardless of what some folks might tell you, regardless of what some religious folks might tell you, Christians can be lost. In Acts chapter 5, we find the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They were Christians. They were members of the Jerusalem church. Oh, but they had a desire in their hearts for the praises of men. They sold a parcel of ground and they lied to the Holy Spirit. They said, here's everything we got. All of our proceeds and we're bringing it as an offering to the Lord. The deception, fostered by their pride, cost them their lives. And their entire salvation. But I suppose. To my mind. One of the most tragic stories you'll find in the New Testament. Is the story of Felix. He served for a few years as the Roman governor of Palestine. In the days of the apostles. And there was a time when Paul stood and preached before governor Felix. And Paul told Felix about the way of Jesus. As Paul brought that sermon to a close, Dr. Luke tells us in the book of Acts that Felix trembled. And he looked at Paul, the preacher. He said, Paul, go your way. Sometime when it's more convenient. 
I'll call for you. That was the closest Felix ever came to the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. He was touched by the teachings of the Apostle. The Scripture says, Felix trembled. The American Standard Version said, Felix was terrified. And then he made the most tragic mistake of his life. He put off the decision of serving the Lord until a later time. Never again did Felix come so close to the kingdom of God. Felix has been dead now for 2,000 years. 2,000 years of regret that he didn't make his decision another way. And that, beloved, is only the beginning of his regret. His regret will extend on and on throughout all of eternity to come. How differently. Do you think Felix would respond if he just had one more opportunity to hear Paul preach? And you can turn a few pages over in the New Testament. And you can see the very disappointing story of Demas. At one time, he was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. Like Timothy and Titus and the others, Demas was a young preacher. A kind of apprentice, if you will, studying under Paul, the great apostle, to the Gentiles. And yet in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, we read the tragic ending of Demas. It says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And that's a tragedy of the highest order, especially when you think of what might have been. The salvation he could have imparted to others. The salvation he could have brought for himself. And in many ways, the name of Demas is one of the saddest words in our language in fact you run into about as many people who name their sons Demas as you do who name their sons Judas had you ever thought about that the great tragedy of Demas is that Demas left the Lord how many Demases do we know in our own experience? Those that we can think of who were once faithful. Those who were once committed servants of the Lord. Those who were once dedicated the church and now are at best only nominally members of the body of Christ. Or they've just quit altogether. And yes, there are regrets in our day and our time also. Not everyone who has regrets because of past experiences is confined to the period that the Bible was being written. There are countless others who have regrets 
who are living have lived since and those who are living even now. There are those who can look back to their misspent youth and youthful indiscretions that can be looked upon with regret. There are those who are plagued by memories of dishonesty or lying or worldliness. Over the years, I've known those who could look back with regret to periods of heavy drinking, remembering the lax behavior that attended such excesses. I've known those who looked back to immorality with great regret and great shame. And then there are others that remember years spent with too great a concern for material possessions. Sadly, many Christians come to the end of the journey only to realize they've thought very little about spiritual things. And there are a great many people who as life draws to a close and as the shadows lengthen, they realize something about life, about their life. That it's been almost entirely self-centered and selfish. And the regret is that they didn't have more time and more concern for the needs of others. Others, as they look back, are disturbed not by some major sin like adultery or murder or stealing, but rather by lives that are <coughs> characterized by inactivity in the Lord's work. Disturbed because they have expended much more energy on tearing down the church than building up the church. They gave so little of themselves, their possessions, and their concern. So they look back on a life that's largely wasted. I would challenge all of us on the threshold of this new year to make certain that we don't live lives plagued with regrets. Live our lives in such a way that we don't come to the end of the journey plagued by regrets and thinking of what might have been. We may have regrets over sin, but Jesus Christ can cleanse us from sin. What was the song? There is power in the blood. Power in the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us from every sin. And He does that when we first become a Christian. When in simple trusting faith, confessing His name, repenting of sin, we're buried in the waters of baptism and those sins are washed away. But then later on, we may stumble as Christians. We will. God's promise is this. If we repent and pray for forgiveness, God will cleanse us again. And again. And again as we might have need. I'm so thankful 
That once I become a Christian, my God is the God of the second chance. And the third chance. And the fourth chance. And I don't know how many chances we might need sometimes. But if we repent, genuinely repent, God is willing to forgive us again. It is not God's intention for any man or any woman to go through life burdened and borne down and brought to their knees by feelings of guilt or regret. God doesn't want that for us. We're at the end of one year and a new one is before us. Let's make sure we live without regrets and learn a lesson from what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 verses 13 and 14 when Paul would write forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forth to the things that are before I press toward the prize for the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus forgetting what's behind and reaching for what's before. But I don't know what's going on in your life this morning. There may be some reason that you need to come back to the Lord. Maybe you've never put the Lord on for the very first time. Maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord and Master of your life. Right now would be a good time to do that. But maybe you once made Jesus Lord and Master of your life. But over the years you haven't lived His kind of life. You haven't done things the way the Lord would have you to and you need to come back home. Let brothers and sisters pray with you and for you. I don't know what you might need this morning, but if we can help you in obedience to the Lord, renewing again your commitment to Christ, give us the opportunity to help you do that as together we stand and while we sing.